Welcome to another episode of Tools, Talents, and Techniques. My name is Dustin Sutton, and today we have the privilege of having a conversation with Matthew Pichal. He's the National Program Director of Develop at Baker Tilly, and in a three-year span, focusing on the crucial aspects of building a diverse and inclusive client base and workforce. Matthew, he's he's forged a, a very impactful program and partnerships, both internally and externally. And he's really been amplifying the voices of underrepresented entrepreneurs and the communities they serve. So we're going to dive into a lot of what he's been doing, his background, you know, what he's currently doing and where he's going. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I've been looking forward to having it. Without any further ado, here he is, Matt Pashal. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, Dustin, how are you? It's good to see you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a long time coming, and I'm so glad we get to have this conversation and share more about yourself and, and what you're doing. So if you would, could you just take a moment and introduce yourself and a little bit more about what you do? Hey, sorry, you froze on me. Oh, there we go. Well, there you're back, you're back now. You're back now. All right, let's do it. I just want you to introduce yourself and a little bit more about what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So as you noted, Matt Paschel, National Program Manager of Baker Tilly's Develop Initiative, have been with Baker Tilly for four and a half years since I graduated from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where I studied real estate. And the past three and a half years, as you noted in the intro, have really been building this comprehensive, what I'll call a social impacted business development strategy grounded in how do we, Baker Tilly, a top 10 accounting and professional services firm, best support minority owned businesses in the communities that they serve? And how can we be more intentional and thoughtful with not only how we show up for clients and prospective clients in this commercial real estate and economic development ecosystem overall, but then how does that inform how, as an organization, we think about talent attraction, talent development, recruiting, right? Ensuring that our team is reflective of the clients and the communities that they serve as well. And so it's it's definitely comprehensive and it's definitely, you know, small incremental system changes. Uh, but the past three and a half years have you know, exceeded my expectations in terms of the pace of growth for Develop. You know, what started as 125 stakeholders in Milwaukee and an idea on a napkin has blossomed them to what we anticipate will be over 400 stakeholders at our conference in April, and then more broadly, just a movement of people across industry that are committed to empowering the historically underrepresented and under-resourced and building an inclusive economy. So it's, it's a very exciting time. I, this is so phenomenal that you're doing all this, and congratulations again on, on your, your early success and your continued success. When you were in college, and we're going to go back further than that, but I just want to yeah. stay here for a minute. When you were in college, like, what was your idea of what you were going to be doing when you got into the uh, air quotes here, the real world? Like, what, what was your thought process? So I, when I got to UW I, and I decided that I was going to study real estate, I was kind of seeking to find myself and find direction. I knew that I was passionate about social justice. I knew I wanted to help people. I knew that I wanted to do well by doing good, but I didn't know exactly what that looked like. And in, in studying real estate, I, in my early educational journey, I didn't know if the industry was right for me. I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me in classes. I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me reflected in staff, 
nor did I see a world outside of traditional commercial real estate, which I'm going to say is class A, multifamily, office, the, the more sexy aspects of the industry. And so it was kind of a journey of me going through various internship experiences and, and, and informational interviews to better understand, okay, this world of commercial real estate really is so big. And based off of my passions and how I want to feel doing this work, where does that mean for where I should be? And that's how I stumbled, really stumbled into the world of community development finance, which was how I started my career at Baker Tilly. Um, but I think if you had told me my freshman year of college that I was going to be doing something in the real estate realm, I wouldn't have necessarily believed you. But I knew that I was going to be working with people and and supporting people and helping people accomplish their goals. And it was really just a matter of how I could use my my gifts and my relationships and resources to do that. So when you started at Baker Tilly, walk me through what that was like, the interview process. Did you have an internship there first? Like, What was your introduction to uh, Baker Tilly? So it's it's very serendipitous. So I was actually, I remember this very vividly. I was at the library doing the whole second semester senior applying to job process. And I had just had an informational interview with a developer in DC, black developer who had built and scaled their own affordable housing development company. And it was the moment that I had had this aha moment of, okay, community development finance is where I want to go. Let me start in this industry and see where it takes me. And I sit back down, I open LinkedIn and there's Bigger Tilly with a job posting for an affordable housing transactions analyst. And, you know, I, I applied, had a screening call with the recruiter and then went into the Baker Tilly office in Madison for the interview. And the, what I really remember from that interview was how passionate all the leaders I spoke with were about the work that we did, hmm. right? What, you know, any element of supporting clients from site identification to fine, securing financing to supporting them with the low income housing tax credit process, my team loved what they did. And I, walked out of that interview, one, feeling like I had done well and presented myself well, but two, feeling like it was going to be an amazing opportunity to work for a group of people that were so passionate about the work that they did, because that's not always common in, corp in corporate America when you when you work for a team. And so to have a group of leaders who were that excited and that passionate about not only doing the work at a local level, but really a national level was something that was very exciting to me. Yeah. Do you feel like you knew that? Go, did you because again, you're going into this and you don't have a lot of career experience yet, Right. but you could feel at that moment that it was different, that they had something that wasn't normal. Yes. I think I had watched, you know, growing up, I had family members that were in corporate America. I had a lot of friends whose parents were in corporate America. And within that, I think you hear a lot of, you hear more of the horror stories than you necessarily do see your parents and people that you know living and working in an environment that gives them energy, that gives them joy, that excites them each day. And so although I was new, I knew how I had found in my past internship experiences that it didn't light a fire in me the way that I wanted, that it was maybe industry aligned, but it wasn't lighting the fire of Matt. And I really felt like walking out of that interview, I knew, okay, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I don't know where this, where this company is going to take me. But what I do know is I want to work for leaders like this that are this passionate, that are this motivated, that are this positive, that are this optimistic and that are this energized about what they do, because that's going to make me want to work harder and, and do all that I can to ensure that my team is successful. That's great to hear. When you are working there and then how long until you came up with the idea or the concept for develop? 
I had been at the firm for about a, a year and a half, about 18 months. Okay. Walk me through that process when this, when this came to light, when this light yeah. bulb went off. Yes. So I was working with a partner, with the, our lead housing partner of the housing practice at Baker Tilly on a client. And there were so many things that were coming up on the deal. There were so many exceptions being made. There were just so many out of the box accommodations that were being made for this sponsor that, you know, it came down to access to capital, access to social capital and access to, in our case, it was real estate professional services. And we're up late working one night and I looked at him and I said, you know, I, this, this project embodies the barriers to entry that underrepresented developers face. And we're seeing it in all these different elements of getting this project done. And while this project is going to get to the finish line, so many products don't even get here. The, the, the developers never see this type of opportunity. And so, you know, what role do we play in bridging the opportunity gap and empowering diverse developers to grow and scale both in affordable housing, which is the firm's bread and butter, but also in commercial real estate more broadly. And so this is around the time that, you know, you're, you have the, the aftermath of the murder of George Floyd, right? So you're seeing increased conversations around race, around the racial wealth gap, around the disproportionate um, support for minority-owned businesses across industries. And I was able to channel the conversations that were happening at a national level into industry-applicable conversations with my team, right? So when we... How do we take conversations that are happening nationally where it's easy to get lost and really focus on what does this mean for our industry, right? What is the history of real estate and commercial lending in this country? How does this inform the work that we do, right? We're in community development finance. We're in an industry that in part is righting historic wrongs. And so how do we take that lens of understanding and apply it to our clients and the communities that they serve, but also some of the barriers that our clients are experiencing? and the areas that we're being brought in to help offer support and capacity, how can we think more critically about what else we can do, what additional questions we can ask, how we can go further, not just because it's the right thing to do, but really based on our position in the industry and standing in the industry, we're obligated. It's a must for us to do this, to provide the value that we're saying we want to provide, but also to position our clients for long-term success, which when you're in professional services, I mean, that's what you want. Right. You want to you want to watch your clients grow and thrive. And so that was kind of the impetus for it and the, the aha moment. And it really took when I always tell the story about this, it took time. Right. So now we're in year three. You go on LinkedIn, you're going to see the develop speaker graphics everywhere. And you're going to see, you know, something that you know presents as a bit more sophisticated than where we were just three years ago. Right. And before our first event in Milwaukee, we were doing a year's worth of work as a team talking about the school to prison pipeline, mass incarceration, the racial wealth gap, um, the opportunity gap, right? Reparations, all these different topics that then inform our team having a shared understanding as to why develop was so important, why we had this unique opportunity as a team to change the landscape of our industry and the role that we played as a collective in doing that. What, how many people are on the team when when this idea came about and you're working late and you're saying hey this this is everything like this this shows all the you know all the layers of of what is the what the, is a challenge in our industry how many people are in that room with not you know that moment but how many people are involved in that in that part of the process so i would say in the infancy stages it was really just 
me, you know, two my two coaches at the time, and then the lead partner. But the when once once the programming started and we were having those conversations as a team, that was a team of 20, 25 people that were engaging in this type of courageous dialogue and this willingness to be uncomfortable. And and from that, the strategy grew into something that was just that was not just, okay, this is Matt's to do, or this is Matt's to own, but something that, no, we all play a role in ensuring that this business strategy is successful and how we think about clients, how we think about engaging clients, how we think about supporting. Yeah, that courageous conversation, as you refer to it, is so important. That's one of those things where I'm, again, blown away by what you have done and continue to do. But it's like, there's a lot of people that are complainers out there yep. and that will say like, oh, there's a problem. I don't know. Somebody else can fix it or do it or don't know how to. Really, I guess where my questions lie are like that magic, that magic mm-hmm. of having something and pointing to there's something wrong here. Let's try this. I think I have an idea for a solution. We need to try it. and getting buy-in from other people to help push that forward. And it sounds like from based on what I'm hearing is you're having that courageous conversation, but Baker Tilly and the leadership there was very important on helping you craft and put the things around it to, to amplify it. Yes, absolutely. So I think, I mean, I came to the organization with a background in having, having and facilitating these types of conversations, mm-hmm. right? Um, from grew up in Washington, D.C., right? A hyper political city, just in the nature of growing up there. But through my you know, high school experience, through growing up in the, in the house that I did and some of the stuff that I did as a student in high school, just hone that skill set of how do you have these conversations? How do you make people feel safe in these conversations and, and encourage people to speak to what's on their mind, right? Not worrying about as much whether it's accurate or not or correct, but just to share, because that's where we get caught up oftentimes is the unwillingness to share and even engage in the dialogue to begin with. And so that was kind of the mindset that gave me that level of confidence saying, okay, if I get the support from my leadership, I know I can do this because I've, I've done it before. And I'm, I was very blessed to have two bosses that were incredibly supportive of me and my vision for this. And were willing to say, you know, we understand that there are going to be elements of this that may even make us uncomfortable, but we want to support you. We believe in this. We know that this is the right thing to do. And our team does need to be doing this. We do need to be leaning into this work in the ways that you're describing. And so let's figure out how you can bring it to reality, how we can help you bring it to reality. So let's put, let's put a put in, put a pin in that. Uh, and I want to talk about the steps of, you know, having the conference and doing those things, but you just brought up something about your, your upbringing and, having those conversations and, you know, you mentioned a lot of, a lot of that. Talk me about, talk to me about your, your upbringing and what that was like, as far as were you into sports? Were you into the community activities? What was that like? Yeah. So grew up in Washington, DC at a, went to a small um, liberal private school, K through 12, played basketball, lacrosse, soccer uh, in high school and in middle school growing up. Um, but was in an academic environment from a very young age that was grounded in teaching you how to think and teaching people how to, and teaching the students how to think critically. And the founding of the school that I went to was that post Jim Crow was one of the first, if not the first school in DC to integrate. 
right? And it was a it was an env- an academic environment that was fostered under the context of how we how do we create an inclusive learning environment for for Black and Jewish students, two students that, that have been excluded in in this kind of during this Jim Crow era. And so with that founding and with that context, I mean, from a very young age, just having open conversations in a classroom setting or in an assembly an assembly setting about current events. What is your opinion? How is your opinion being reached? Hearing hearing um, complementary perspectives, opposing perspectives. And I really came to value that. And that was only further instilled from my parents who were both critical thinkers. My mom had a 20 plus year career in corporate America, specifically as a chief diversity officer for more, for multiple Fortune 500 companies. And so the conversations around those levels of corporate complexity and problem solving and relationship building and all those types of things were things that I, you know, kind of took for granted because it was just what I grew up with and the type of conversations I had that were normal, that were normal with my parents, that were normal with their friends. Um, but I would I would say that that paired with growing up in a city like D.C. that really commands that to a certain extent, where that's just kind of the baseline level where you're growing up, going to school with the daughter, the sons and daughters of attorneys, the attorney general, senators, congressmen and women. Right. It just kind of brings a different level of uh, visibility to a, from a national perspective, but also from a global perspective. Yeah. You know what? And wow. I mean, knowing that and that background, you were able to really meet that moment with your full self, you know, would you say like, Oh, I took, maybe took for these things for granted, but and you get out of, you get out of school and you get into the workforce and you're like, Oh wait, this is for me. Like, this is yeah. what I do best. That's amazing. That makes so much more sense. That's why I love having these conversations. Because you're like, oh, that's that's why it's uh, yeah, you're you're good. I love this. I love it. <laughs> so and then so then so let's go back to right now with the develop and that programming. So what were the first steps that you actually put something tangible together for what this is or what this could become? Yes. So really, we were building. You know, so the the partner that leads our housing practice had a history of supporting diverse developers in the Milwaukee market. He understood develop from the very beginning. He said, I've seen what you're talking about. In part, I built my practice through supporting these type of diverse sponsors in the Wisconsin market. I know what you're saying is needed, and I know that there's an opportunity to scale it. And so with our team and the services that we offer, I mean, we can be with a developer from project conceptualization all the way through the securing of financing and transitioning into construction and owner's rep up until lease up. So we have all those expertise in-house. And because part of our capacity is helping developers secure debt and equity for their projects, the, you know, the access to the capital and to the social capital, our team was already doing that just based off the nature of the work that we do. And so when it came to saying, okay, if we're targeting a demographic that's historically underserviced and supported in our industry, then we're going to have to go about engaging them a different way. We're going to have to go about reaching out to them a different way. And so that was where the, the idea for the conference came in, right? So, you know, if you recall, after the murder of George Floyd, lots of financial institutions, investment banks, organizations were making money about how resources were going to be deployed with increased intentionality and thoughtfulness to minority-owned businesses in general. But there was a specific focus on diverse real estate developers, And so in the infancy stages of building this, it was just doing that targeted cold email outreach. Hey, this is who I am. This is what our team does. And, you know, we we have clients or prospective clients that would be interested 
in your capital, pre-development, logic equity, debt. So kind of just starting some of those conversations and feeling out, okay, you know, what markets are you focused on? What type of products are you looking for? What type of sponsors do you want to work with? And identifying where that was, there was that synergy for our team to work with their team and identify ways to work together. And so that was just from a day-to-day perspective. The, the thought process with the conference was, we understand that the issue that we're discussing is a national issue. And a conference, a convening, grounded and curating a space for diverse entrepreneurs to have a platform to speak to their their trials, their tribulations, their successes, but also to network with a diverse array of industry professionals, that's what we felt like was missing. We didn't see a lot of that represented in the marketplace. And we felt like we had a unique opportunity to say, okay, we know that we are a top 10 accounting and professional services firm. We have relationships with a lot of the premier investing and lending institutions across the country that focus on commercial real estate, that if we call them, they'll answer the phone. And if we ask them to come to a conference, they'll come. So- if we know that we can get those stakeholders in the room, how can we lean on some of our more local relationships to ensure that we have the diverse developers and asset managers that we're seeking to target in that room as well? And that, so it took a year of planning to say, okay, what market do we want to start and then why? We ended up identifying Milwaukee as that market because a lot of our team sits in Madison and Milwaukee is one of the firm's stronghold markets. And that's where a lot of our, you know, OG diverse developer clients are based out of. That's where they built their business was in Milwaukee. And so it was really just this process to work through, you know, how do you do the appropriate stakeholder engagement? How do you ensure that we you have enough people in the room and that you're having the right types of conversations, right? So there's not only can you get everyone into a room, but then they have to see value in what you're doing. They have to see value in the panelists that you've put together, the content that you're going to cover, and the ways that you're working to keep them engaged. And so part of it was, here's why I think a conference is the best way to do that. This is the opportunity I think we have in the marketplace because we're gonna, once we do this well, word is going to spread and this is going to continue to gain momentum. Um, and you know, also, there, I feel like another reason that it took the time that it did was it's just that not only external brand building and trust building, but internally, right? We, you know, here's what we've done, here's what we intend to do, and here's how the firm needs to be, or here's how our team needs to be in order to accomplish this goal, right? So going back to one of the things we talked about in the opening, not only are we talking about servicing a demographic that's been historically under-supported and under-engaged by professional services, but we're talking about living living authentically and, and doing what we say we're going to do, which means it's great to diversify your client base and to ensure that these developers or asset managers are getting the support that they need. But we also have to have the conversation about change in our hiring practices, change in our recruiting practices. And that takes time. I'm not expecting us to save the world in one year, but we have to be making, willing to make the multi-level commitment that is required to ensure that when we do this, it's received in the marketplace as authentic. Because where we were trying to differentiate ourselves was we didn't want to be the we come out, we make this great proclamation and two or three years in, it's gone. Right. Well, so we, yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, one of the things, cause you're, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't want to stop you. I wanted to add something, but I don't want to stop you. You're on a roll there because patience and, mm-hmm. and knowing that like, you're not going to have the right, all the answers off the bat. Right. Um, it's going to take trial and error. It's going to take 
talent. It's going to take time. It's going to take all those things. But I think one of those, one, one of the, the main things, like somebody, it has to start somewhere. And for you and your team to be able to take that, take those conversations, take the initiative to do something, to put something forward and for your leadership, you know, yourself and, and the leadership and those around you to believe in it, to support it and say, okay, this is what we're going to put in. This, this is what we're going to put behind this. And then this leads me to my, to my next question is how does that feedback work for you? So let's, so let's say you, you have some developers that are coming in and you're working with them and there's, you know, there's still some pieces missing, or maybe they're not supported in this way or that way. Like how, how does your team strategize or systemize how you continue to grow and develop <laughs> pun intended? Um, the process on how you're how you're moving forward. I I think kind of going back to to your point, it's operating from a place of understanding that this is going to be an iterative process, and that we are not going to have all the answers at the time of which they may be posed. And whether it's you know we a developer may meet, be in need of services that we cannot offer, we don't offer. So how do we leverage our this ecosystem that we like to call it that we're building? to make warm introductions, to make informed referrals, to say, okay, if you're looking for ABC and we don't, we can't provide it, we're not in a position to provide it, here's this Rolodex of industry contacts that want to work with you, that want to see you be successful externally, that we can lead you to. And then some of that is, okay, if we had to turn the client away this time for this element of support, is there an opportunity for, for us to add this as a service offering in the future? How do we think about this developed ecosystem is one that's both, you know, community building and, you know, prospective business development, but also what I call service innovation, right? We're getting firsthand feedback and direct feedback around, you know, these are opportunities for you all to grow. The, the, the stakeholder group that you're seeking to engage and support needs this, this, and this. You do two out of the three. Is there a way for you to get to the third? And I think that really after the second develop in Atlanta, that's where some of the conversations became more rich in terms of where can we, as we continue to grow, think about service offering evolution to ensure that we're making the most of the people that want to engage us and want to work with us and then building the appropriate strategic alliances so that we can ensure that whether it's us or, you know, insert name of other firm, we've kind of provided this full service experience to clients to ensure that they're getting what they need. So I would say that's kind of the the abbreviated answer is that it's kind of been this, we, we, we're not going to be able to recreate the wheel in a year. We're three years in, but we have a lot of direct feedback, feedback from the surveys of our events, feedback that we're getting from lending partners that we work with, CDFIs that we work with, um, private equity firms that we work with around these are the areas of need where we see there to be an opportunity. And is this something that we can work together to figure out? And so I think that's the other thing as well as not, not only practicing patience, but then not feeling like when you're trying to solve an industry-wide problem, right, of ensuring that minority-owned companies and entrepreneurs have the resources that they need, you're not going to solve it alone, right? And so being willing to ask for help and willing to partner and willing to say, you know, I'm stuck on this. We don't know. We haven't figured this out yet. Can, you, can we work together to figure out as opposed to feeling like you have to be very close to the vest, with some mm -hmm. of these things because it's a business strategy that's only formally in its third year and you don't want to give away your trade secrets. It's really more about, you know, I know that 
collaboration breeds innovation. And so I want to ensure that whether it's us or another company, someone is able to give these entrepreneurs the support that they need. Oh, yeah. And there's something about like if you give it sunlight, if you do it right, I mean, it's going to have to have sunlight anyway. If you're, if you're doing right. it, be the best at it. So it doesn't matter if other people do it. Like if you're doing it and you're the first one there and you're doing it right, then you shouldn't have to worry about that. At least, right. not, at least not on on all levels. Right. Um, also, something about the about the patients about about patients, not the patients. Uh, when I started to hear about you know um, peeling back on DEI and, and things like that, and, and you know that that is in the news and it's a real thing that's happening. But also, like you mentioned, it's an industry wide. It's a it's a it's a big issue that's you know been going on for a long time. And for people to expect that it'd be solved by some magic snap of the fingers and happen over a couple of years, like it takes time. In this in this time right now, with some of the pushback in DI, are you seeing that in your in your day to day job and what you're doing? And and if so, how are you um, pushing through that or evolving through that? So, so a couple of ways. I think from a, from the very beginning, the way that we our marketing team put this together in the language that we used. We didn't call this a DEI initiative. That's not mm. how we talked about it. If you go to the website, there's not going to be anything about DEI there okay. because the way that we think about it is doing business with diverse businesses is great business, right? And it, and it builds an economic ecosystem where everyone is positioned to thrive and be successful. And so we don't look, I, we don't look at it as a DEI strategy as much as we do a business imperative to accomplish the firm's growth goals and to best support these businesses. It's just, it's the right thing to do. And it also generates meaningful returns. And so I think from that perspective, that that language has been important because, because DEI has become so polarizing, right? And, and people don't, you know, have mixed reviews to it or responses to it, you know, in the wrong room, you could turn a group of people that actually may be interested in your work off. And so we've been trying to think about what is the language that we can use that's going to appeal to as many people as possible that are going to be mission aligned with the work that we're doing, because we still are talking about equity. We're still talking about equitable access to capital. The conference and the webinars are still going to touch on the barriers that exist for minority owned businesses and how we're working to solve them. Um, and, and I think in terms of our, our, our brain trust of external organizations, I would say you know, most of them have doubled down on their commitments, right? When we're talking to them about, you know, where with where develop is now and how we anticipate it's going to grow, I think the organizations that we're working with are saying, you know, depending upon our size, we may have to tailor some of our, our language or we may have to have different talking points, but we're still going to deploy this money. This is a part of our organizational commitment. It's how it's a priority for us to live true to these values and to what we've stated. And so even though the the language is under attack or and some organizations are pulling back. I think right now more than ever, we and just the industry is seeing the organizations that are going that are going to sustain their commitment to this work. Even if they have to, it may look different, it may feel different, but I think what's important to us is ensuring that we're driving meaningful business returns for all the people that we're that we're hoping to benefit. And I think that that's the the attack on the language, I think, is going to foster for the companies that want to continue to sit at the table and have those courageous conversations and figure out how to impact change. They're going to find a way, right? I feel like when you when, when we see that things like this happen, you either pull away 
because you don't, you know, you, you may not want to hold your feet too close to the fire or you go all in and you double down your commitment. And I think that that's what we've seen through the partners that we're working with. And I think with, you know, what will be our largest conference coming up in Chicago and where we feel like it's going to take us from there, we too are doubling down on our commitment and, and, and embodying that as well. So talk about this. So I want to give you an opportunity also to promote this conference directly. Mm-hmm. Could you tell me more about the the date, the time, the, the things that are included in the conference? Yes. So the conference is occurring on April 17th and 18th in Chicago, Illinois. Um, on the 17th, we're having a sole day of Inflation Reduction Act programming. So we're specifically talking about what is the what are the implications of the Inflation Reduction Act on commercial real estate and what do MBE, WBE businesses and just diverse stakeholders in our industry need to know about that? So we're going to have a panel that's focused on the intersection of sustainability and design and affordable housing and how and how the affordable housing industry is changing, both in terms of how products are getting financed, but also how products are being built. And then we're going to go into programming that talks about um, the opportunity that exists for MBE, WBE businesses to become green certified and the opportunity that exists for them to grow their business, being all in on the energy economy, knowing that you know, there are so many dollars that the public and private sector are going to have to allocate to accomplish you know, what, the, what the laws want them to accomplish, that there's, in lies a huge opportunity for the businesses that are informed and equipped to take action to be poised for success. And then the last panel on the on that day is a panel that's going to talk about how projects in the energy economy are being financed. So all the different tools and tricks to get projects built across the country, whether it be housing, whether it be industrial, whether it be a mixed use commercial or retail, just having larger conversations about how different bodies that are going to be allocating funds, what they're looking for and the best ways to access capital from them. And then on day two, we're going to have a you know, everything from the state of the commercial real estate market to best practices for holistic community development to as an MBE, WBE in real estate and professional services, how do you grow and scale your business? So we're going to hear from expertise across real estate development, construction, consulting about how these businesses were able to grow and scale, not to a team of two or three, but to teams of 20, right? And and what does that take? Because I think, and you know, we're on a tangible one of the reasons that I'm super passionate about that topic in particular is because when you look at the the number of diverse businesses that we've worked with or that I'm meeting, oftentimes they're they're still solopreneurs or their teams are of two or three. And when we're talking about generational wealth building, when we're talking about closing the racial wealth gap, when we're talking about sustained community impact and change, it's essential that those businesses are positioned to last generations and to be intergenerational companies that last. 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And so the the more that we can help foster conversations and facilitate conversations around the best practices on how to do that and what's needed in the industry to position more minority-owned businesses to accomplish that, you know, that that's a huge win for us. And then there's going to be, um, we're going to have conversations on technology and how AI is changing real estate and construction and what businesses need to know about how to implement AI or other relevant technologies to make them more effective and efficient. And then lastly, we're going we're gonna to be talking about the, the innovative ways that different organizations are providing capital to diverse sponsors. So we're going to hear from private equity professionals. We're going to hear from 
um, impact investors. We're going to hear from intermediaries between private equity and family office that deploy capital. We're going to hear from large lenders, really just about what are the different ways that they are approaching mitigating the barriers to capital that different diverse developers have, regardless of asset class. And the hope with that is to not just put the onus only on the large scale base and CDFIs to make equitable capital, uh, you know, equitable access to capital a priority, but also to showcase how other leaders in the industry are doing it. And hopefully from that you know, kind of cross pollinating of ideas, people can go back and think about other innovative ways to either deploy capital or receive capital. Who are, if you would, if you can have like, put it out there and say like, these are the people that this helps most, the people that come to this conference or could be involved in the program. Like, who are you looking for specifically, if, if you could say that, to, to attend this conference? Who do you think this would make the, the biggest impact for? I, so, I mean, I, our bread and butter when we started was access to capital, social capital, and professional services for diverse developers. And at, you know, at minimum, developers have a tremendous amount of benefit from being in this room. Because, okay. because the room that we're building is for it. We, we really say that it is for everyone, right? If you're committed mm-hmm. to equity, you're committed to driving comprehensive community impact, then this is a room that you want to be in because you're going to have the developers who are the builders, but you're also going to have the other professional services firms, the contractors, the engineers, the architects, the financiers. So I think I would love to just, to just say that it would be diverse developers, but I think Really, you know, the conference is an outcome, but I think we've started a movement that's really bringing along whether you're a broker, whether you're a lender, whether you're if you are a participant in the economic development and commercial real estate ecosystem, regardless of where you sit, this is a space for you because this is a space where you're going to be able to do meaningful business development. We're going to be able to learn and where where you're going to be able to drive, you know, and hopefully develop meaningful strategies that you may be able to go back to your business or to your um, company and, and implement. Yeah. And that's, that's really what I was driving at. Like that, this is not just for developers. This is for anybody that's in that whole ecosystem chain. Is there for, let, let's say somebody like, aside from the, the conference, that's a mm-hmm. standalone thing. Is there a specific place for developers that want to learn more about this program and what Baker Tilly offers uh, in general? Is there a specific place where they go? Should it just go right to the develop website? Yes. So they can go to the develop website and they can submit an inquiry and then I'll get an email and follow it with them via email. And part of my job is to be that dot connector. So to better understand based off what the prospective party's needs are, who is the right person within the firm to bring to that conversation to ensure they're getting, you know, an overview of what we can do to support them, but that they have access to the expertise that they need. Yeah, that's great. Because one of the things that I think about a lot is that when I'm when I'm connecting dots for people, whether through BCREN or or you know some other platform or, or whatever I'm, I'm I'm working at that moment, uh, sometimes even people that have been in the industry for a long time and have been involved in in development deals, or sometimes they still don't know where to start. You know, and it's like, well, they're coming up against the problem, and and I, I found that. Sometimes the answers are not that complicated if you just connect them to the right person. And it sounds like, you know, based on our conversations and, and what I'm saying, what you're doing is that you're you're creating a real one stop shop for people to move the needle and move the ball forward. 
and whatever development projects that they that they're pursuing. Yeah, it's not really it's not really a question. I'm just I'm just like really thinking about like you've done something really special that's solving a need and that is a win win. It's a win 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 in, in a lot of different ways because you're helping you know your your company. It's it's for the the client. It's for the community. It's for the world. So you're I mean what you're creating and what you're working on and what you've done is really solving more many needs it's it's just phenomenal what you're doing thank you i appreciate it we're trying we're doing our best well you know what that's all you can do is your best and and one thing that i'm really impressed with is what i'm hearing and and what i've seen from the because it's never it's never just one person and as as great of the work that you're doing you it sounds like you have a tremendous team around you and support that is putting their money where their mouth is and they're putting their effort and their time and that means so much because again nobody does this alone um as phenomenal as any individual can be like to have a team that you believe in and that you said that you saw it from day one in the interview like you saw all those people and the energy that they had that's remarkable and that's something that needs to be fostered and i think that's something that needs to be cheered um collaborative efforts that are pushing things forward so absolutely yeah and that's why i was like i I knew a bit about this that's why i was so excited to to have you on the show to talk about it yeah Yeah. so um in our our last few minutes is there anything else that you wanted to share about yourself about uh, i mean i don't want to talk too much about the future and like where you see all this going but happy to share if, if that's something you want to talk about but i know what it's like to be focused and to be focused on right now and getting things done to the best of their ability now. But is there a long-term goal, like how you how you see this shaking out and where you want to take this? Yes. So two answers. When I when I think about what develop as a business could mean to our industry, I think that it could be the the biz now of equitable economic development. Right. So when you're talking about creating a platform that has thought leadership, that has content creation, that has localized convenings, elevating thought leadership and best practices, I think that that's what develop is uniquely positioned to provide, because I think that the evolution for develop for us is, okay. what does this mean for service offering innovation? But we want to start a webinar series. I want to find different partners in different markets where I can do localized convenience because attendees are coming to develop and saying, I don't want to wait a year, Matt. I met three or four people in my region that I want to meet with again. And can you can you facilitate some of those meetings on a quarterly basis? So trying to figure out what role do we play in, in fostering that? And one of the things that I'm super excited about is in May, right after develop, we're going to host our second ever think tank, which is a project pitch competition where we're going to have developers come in and pitch projects to four different panels, depending upon their project type of industry professionals across, you know, new market tax credits, affordable housing tax credits, capital formation and fundraising, community impact projects. So I'm excited to scale that and to figure out how we can work with the right partners externally to execute this multiple times per year, because I think that that's something that is so meaningful and drives such such meaningful change for those that are able to participate because of the relationships that they build, hopefully the financing that they're able to secure, whether up front or down the road, and just to get at a very low, low cost, right? That type of 
practical project feedback that you may not get anywhere else. And I think that that's, that's one of the things that I'm excited about as well. In the long term, my, the thing that I'm very passionate about that motivates me is I want to, I want to figure out how to get equity into the hands of diverse developers and asset managers. And I'm very passionate about trying to figure out how do, how can I build something that enables me to not only have access to the capital to support these real estate development companies at the operational level or at the project level, but how can I ensure that I'm equipping them with access to the best project partners and technologies to help them be businesses of the future and, tr and trying to figure out that oftentimes our industry can be so siloed that I think part of the role of develop and part of what I feel like my role is in this industry is to help break down those barriers and those walls to have people that are trying to solve similar problems in different industries come to the same table. And so I want to figure out how do we bridge the gap between real estate developers and implementing the tech technologies, whether it's in, during the construction process, or whether it's at the property management level, you know, how are these, how are we equipping these developers to make decisions, not just that's going to be, benefit them in the growth of their business, but that's going to have generational impact on their tenants and the communities that they're committed to serving from a workforce development and economic opportunity perspective to a credit building, transition to home ownership perspective. I just think that there's, there's so much. And so I'm excited about leveraging my network, my expertise, my relationships down the road to be able to go and raise a fund that enables me to deploy capital and, and the appropriate technologies and support to minority-owned businesses. Well, Matt, you are doing some phenomenal work. I know I've probably said it like three or four times already in this uh, in this interview, but um, I really appreciate everything you're doing. I'm inspired by it. Um, I'm impressed by it. And I know me as an individual want to do anything that I can to support you and in, in your journey and what you're doing. And I know um, the other leadership at the the BCREN feels similarly. And so just congratulations and, and keep going. And I, I love the collaboration um, ideas and, and, the, and the thinking about how you solve all these challenges um, or approach these challenges holistically. I, I think, I think the future is bright and I appreciate you. Thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you, Dustin. Appreciate you. And I'm excited to, to continue to work together. Only yeah. To so all, all of your, all of the, the conference and everything will be on the show notes, how to get in contact with Matt, with Baker Tilly, with develop amazing stuff. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of tools, talents, and techniques. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation, and if you did find value in the episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast on your favorite platform, leaving a review, and sharing with your network. We have an amazing lineup in the coming weeks and months with some very impressive leaders and some of the heaviest hitters in business who are making a positive impact in the world. So stay tuned for more exciting episodes and special features coming up. We appreciate your ongoing support and look forward to welcoming you back next time on Tools, Talents, and Techniques.